We're going to be in Mark. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll go to 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. Uh, I want to try to shave off a little bit. I've got enough notes here. We could make a series of messages out of this, two or three messages, <laughs> seriously. But uh, I think I will just shave it down where we can try to cover it all tonight. 1 John 5, 13 is a, is a verse that you're well acquainted with and probably have it memorized. I want to put my finger on something tonight, on a problem that everybody in here may have had a bout with, a struggle with. At least half, or maybe a few less, may be struggling with it as we speak. And I've asked this question before. I try to speak on this subject every couple of years and uh, it's time again. And this is not the one about preparing for a funeral. We'll do that next week. <laughs> well, you know what? I bet if you ask JT, I bet you he can tell you a whole lot of people are surprised when it comes time to plan a funeral. They, they're at a loss. They don't know what to do. And so I try to preach on it every couple of years just to give us, give us a familiarity with having things in order uh, it is said in the Bible, one of the kings was having a, having a bad day. Uh, the Lord told him he was going to die and to set his house in order. Well, all of us need to set our house in order and be ready when that day comes. And so I think it's maybe a bit, uh, it's kind of like buying life insurance. Nobody wants to think about dying. But how many of us are going to die? So this is, it's a subject everybody's got to deal with. That's not what we're dealing with tonight, though. We're talking about living tonight. And uh, the problem that I want to put my finger on tonight is a problem that a bunch of you have had. And I'm, I'm saying a bunch, and I'm not talking just people in this room. There's people on, on the Internet who are listening in, and you've had a problem probably sometime or other. And I've asked this question a number of times when I preached this prob- this, about this problem. And I want to ask you this question tonight. And don't be, don't be embarrassed to raise your hand, and I'll tell you why you don't have to be embarrassed in just a little bit. But if you've ever had a problem with doubting your salvation, you've ever had a doubt, would you just lift your hand? Now look around you. Look at those hands. Look at those hands. That's over half in here tonight. And I've had my hand up too. And I, I don't doubt my salvation anymore. Sometimes I doubt my wife's salvation. <laughs> the guy, the bank robber, come in and was holding up the bank teller, and, and there was a whole line of people waiting to get up there. And he had he had on a ski mask, and accidentally took his ski mask off, and and the people in the line looking at him, you know. And he's he's asked the lady stand lady stand in front of the line. He said, "Did you see me when I had my mask off?" And she said, "Yes." And he shot her. And he there was a guy behind her said, "Did you see me with my mask off?" And he said, "Well, yes." And so he shot him. And uh, third guy, he said, did you see me while I had my mask off? And he said, no, sir, I didn't. So he didn't shoot him. But that guy said, I think my wife did, though. <laughs> That's not a very, very nice husband, was he? <laughs> but we had problems with doubt. If you've never doubted, God bless you. I'm proud of you. But it seems to be a widespread problem. And 
most of the people that I know, Christians, have had some doubt somewhere along the line. And as a preacher, my, my goal is not to make anybody doubt their salvation. I, I've seen churches, no pastors who, and evangelists who really come in and try to swoop in and, and make people doubt their salvation so they can get some more people, get notches on their gun belt at the altar, get some more people in the baptistry, baptize the same people year after year. I, I know of a church, uh, I really know of a church that they had the same people baptized every year for years and years. And that's not my goal at all. If you're saved and you know it, boy, I'm glad. And I don't want you to doubt your salvation. And if you're, if you're saved and you do doubt your salvation, I want you to find peace and comfort because this is something that causes a great deal of turmoil in hearts. And people struggle with this. And, hey, there's nothing more miserable than for a Christian, a true born-again Christian who struggles with doubting their salvation, there's not, a, there's not a bigger problem in the world that they struggle with. I mean, they're laying on their pillow that night and, and wondering, have I done everything right? And am I going to, if I die tonight, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? And they've already got a tender heart towards the Lord if they're really saved, but yet they may have doubts. And boy, it's, it's kind of like the P.S. PTSD, I mean, it's, it causes a lot of anguish of soul. And so my main, my main goal as a pastor is to help those who are truly born again to understand what it means to have peace and joy in their heart knowing that they're saved. And by going through these things and these verses that we're going to cover tonight, we will also have the hope that Maybe there's some who are listening and they may not be saved. And if they're not saved, we want them certainly to glean some benefit from these verses that will help them come to the point that they know they can have that great, deep, inner peace and joy by trusting the Lord as salvation. So those are the things we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, <clears throat> don't ever... <clears throat> i tell you what the devil does. The devil comes along and... It makes people ashamed to even admit they've got the problem or to pray about it sincerely or to seek counsel about it because the devil is a master at shaming Christians. And he, he wants you to keep it under your hat. He doesn't want you to admit it. He doesn't want you to talk about it. And uh, he wants you to just forget it, but you ain't going to forget it. If you're doubting, it'll keep coming back. And so we have some scriptures here that's going to help us to come to the place where we can have peace and contentment and assurance. So in 1 John 5, 13, we'll use this, and we'll, we'll just use this for our text and for the very first point, the very first point in our message. Now, you might want to jot this down because if you're not doubting your salvation now, there may come a time when you do. And you need to know how to deal with it. And there is a soothing hope. We'll call that our first point. A soothing hope. And it's found here in First John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the, Son, on the name of the Son of God. Let's pray right there. Father, we pray that you'd bless us. May the sweet Holy Spirit bring peace and comfort into the hearts of those who 
may be saved tonight and struggling with doubts. And Lord, for those who may not be saved and wondering if they are saved, maybe, Lord, that your sweet spirit could just intrude into their life and show them how they can have sweet peace by just coming to a knowledge of Christ and his saving grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Notice in this verse, he says, these things have I written unto you. Now the word written there and the word in this verse has to do with what is written in the Bible. God's given us something that's more precious than all the advice you can get from other people. Sometimes people doubt their salvation and they go to family members or they go to friends or they maybe they heard some preacher, evangelist, or maybe they read some books and try to get some comfort and uh, some assurance about their salvation. But can I just make sure that you understand tonight that assurance never comes from just trying to weed out things in our own life. Assurance comes by believing the word of God. And we'll, we'll doubt because of thoughts that the devil has planted in our mind. And we'll doubt because of things we've heard from other people. And we'll, we'll doubt and fear because of thoughts that have just come into our heart and won't leave us alone. But there's only one way to really get it settled, and that's based on what God said. <laughs> one time, I was uh, back when I was delivering new trucks to different states, and I think I'd been to California, and uh, it was a long, long drive. It takes three, about three days to get there, and I was sleeping. This was when I first started. I didn't have enough money to get a motel room, so I'd get in the floorboard of that truck. And, you know, I'd drive till maybe 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd need to sleep, and so I'd park in a truck stop, and I'd lay down. I didn't have a, didn't have a sleeper. These were smaller trucks, and and so I'd lay down in the floorboard of that truck and try to get comfortable and sleep. And there's a hump in the floor, you know, and you're laying on that hump trying to sleep. And, man, I was wore out after about three days on the road, and I caught my plane home, coming back to Little Rock. And somewhere along the flight, because I had gotten so distraught trying to get to my to the gate at the airport, I was about to be late and miss my flight, and I was so... so uh, wound up and my mind was frustrated, my body was tired and I wasn't thinking straight and uh, so I got on my flight and I'm fl- flying along and, I'm, and after a while I got to thinking, you know, when I checked in at that gate, I thought I heard somebody say something about Baltimore or something. I'm going to Little Rock. I don't, am I on the right flight? <laughs> am I going to Baltimore or I'm going to Little Rock? <laughs> And man, I sat there and I fretted. I tried to nap. I couldn't sleep. I, what if I'm on the wrong flight? And I end up halfway across the world in the wrong direction. And just troubled about it and troubled about it and troubled about it. And I can't figure it out. I don't know what I heard. Now, if I'd been thinking clearly, I would have known they wouldn't have let me on that flight with a boarding pass if I hadn't been on the right flight. But I'm not thinking about those things. And I'm half crazy with, with uh, fatigue. And so finally, I'm just so troubled in the... The flight attendant came along, and, and I stopped her. I said, Miss, I've got to ask you a dumb question. I said, where is this airplane going? And she said, it's going to Little Rock. I said, oh, that's good. She said, did you not know where you're going? I said, well, I thought I knew where I was going, and I got to thinking, maybe I'm on the wrong flight. She said, no, you're going to Little Rock. I figured since she worked for the airline, she had a pretty good idea of where we're going. And so I trusted her because she was an authority instead of my feelings. Instead of my wacky thoughts, 
because our inner workings just kind of like a, a, a slinky, just kind of wallers around this way and that way. Sometimes our emotions just get way crazy. And it happens that way with salvation. And so just like asking the flight attendant who knows where she's going and she would be the spokesperson for that airline, she knew where we were going and that settled my heart and I was able to take a nap then and rest. And when your heart is troubled about your salvation, you can, you can squirm and try to fidget and think things through and sometimes you, you just think yourself wacky and you think yourself crazy and you think, I'm not getting anywhere. Well, that's why we need this because God knows where we're going. And he knows and has written the answers to all of our problems. And so I'm just saying, if you have doubts in your heart, instead of trying to work it all out on your own, instead of trying to work it all out by asking the wrong people, ask the one who knows. And this is where we're going to be going tonight. And this is where we're going to be going with solving our problems. Advice is good. Counsel is good. Logic is good. But if it doesn't line up with this, it's not good. And so the Bible is going to be the first thing we know in settling the doubts about salvation. Now, if you'll just be patient, not fret, because the more you fret when you're you're worried about your salvation, you're doubting your salvation, the more it's just causing turmoil inside. Just relax and say, Okay, I may not know the answers to my doubts, but God does. And so we'll eventually get to them. And so just relax, and then you won't be feeling those desperate, desperate feelings. You need the real thing. And advice is good, but this is the real thing. When I get up in the morning, I look forward to my morning coffee. I mean, I don't... (laughs) Amen. when I get up, I, I grind my beans. I roast my own beans and I grind them first thing in the morning. Grind them just before I make the coffee because oxidation will kill a lot of the flavor and give it an off taste. And, and so I grind my beans fresh just when I get ready to brew it in the morning. And I take real coffee beans. Instead of, you know, that powdered stuff you pour in a cup and pour hot water over and, and they call it coffee. <laughs> uh, that's not the real thing. Uh, that's been tampered with way too much. But the real thing when it comes to solving your problems with doubting your salvation is to get the, the real thing. You want the fresh, pure, uncontaminated, unadulterated, un- unadulterated word of God. And that's what we're after. When a court case is not settled in the way that the participants wanted it to be settled. Sometimes they take it to a higher court, don't they? And once they, if they still don't get it settled, they keep going. Sometimes they go to the Supreme Court. And that's high as you can go in America. When it gets there, it's going to be settled whether you like it or not. <laughs> That'll be the last chance you get to appeal. And God is our Supreme Court, and He's recorded His word here. And so, Whether you feel saved or not, if you're saved and God says you are, then you're saved. It doesn't matter how you feel. So we're not going to base our salvation on emotions. Are you with me? Not going to base our salvation on emotions. We're going to base it on the Word of God. Now notice the second thing we'll look at, not only the soothing hope that comes from just knowing that God's got the answers, whether whether you know them right now or not. 
God's got the answers. And whether you feel saved or not, if you depend on the word of God, he'll finally get the truth to you. So that's the, that's the soothing hope that you can be saved. And 1 John 5, 13 says that you can know. Do you see that? The things that are written means you can know. And so that's the soothing hope. Now, to know the, the specific hub, what everything comes down to in our turmoil sometimes about doubting salvation is, well, we, we notice in 1 John 5, 13, he says, these things have I written unto you that believe. And we say, ah, there's the problem with me. I don't know if I believed or not. I remember going down to the altar or I remember talking to some soul winner. I remember talking to a preacher or a Sunday school teacher. I remember them, they, they led me through a prayer, but I don't remember what I said. I don't remember if I believed or not. And the scripture says, to be saved, you have to believe. And so the doubter says, oh, I don't know if I believed. don't know what was going through this crazy little head of mine. I don't know if I believed. What does it mean to believe? That is, the, that is the surrounding the hub of what we want to talk about. When you think about a hub, think about a wagon wheel, and right in the center, you got these spokes going out from the center to the rim, and right there in the smack dab in the middle of a wagon wheel is the hub. All the spokes, the wheel rotates around the hub. And so the Bible says we have to believe. But what? Do we believe? What's the object of faith? We don't just have faith in faith itself. That would be self-centered if we were, felt like we were saved because of our strong faith. So our faith is not in faith. Our faith has to be in something that's worthy and able to save us. So what is able to save us? Who is able to save us? that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, when we doubt, we begin to turn inward and we're thinking about, did I pray it right? Did I pray that prayer right? Did I believe right? Did I understand the doctrines involved rightly? And so we become internalized in our struggles to get victory over the doubts. But it's, it's not within us. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's the believing. You're saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. And that's what happens a lot of times when we're doubting our salvation. We're thinking about ourselves. We're turned inward. But salvation has to center around the hub our belief has to center around Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And so when you're doubting your salvation and you're trying to think about whether you prayed right or believed right and all of that, the one thing you do have to know in order to be saved at the beginning is you have to know Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, right? He died in your place. And so the cross of Christ is the center. And so 
when we teach our kids to be saved, about how to be saved, we have to teach them about the substitutionary death. Now, they probably won't understand that big word, but they might not understand atonement, but they understand that Jesus took our place. He took our whooping for us on the cross. And so when you get saved to begin with, at the very outset of this thing, when you got saved, do you remember that you understood about Jesus dying on the cross? If you understood that Jesus died on the cross for you, you had your faith in the right place, in the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we're, when we're dealing with doubts, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, that he died for us. Did you know that? Now, see, the reason I'm making a point out of that is because there are some people who may believe they're saved, but they never knew about or at least never acknowledge the death of Jesus on the cross in their place. And that's what we have to do. If you believed that he died for you, that's what belief means. And if you believe, he'll not cast you away. Now notice the third thing. The, I call it the, the spurious heresy factor. And that's, I'm not going to spend much time here because I preached on it not too long ago when we were going through the book of Romans about predestination and election, Calvinism. The spurious heresy factor that causes some people to doubt is that they hear some self-appointed theologian tell them that, well, God selected some people to go to heaven and other people to go to hell before the earth ever was made before there ever was a man on the face of the earth, that God selected some, he chose some, he elected some to go to heaven. And so there's no way they won't go to heaven because they were elected. And those who weren't elected, there's no way they can go to heaven because they weren't elected. And no matter what happens, they'll never be saved. In other words, God made the unelect to go to hell. And nothing can change that. It was by his decree. And when people hear something like that, they begin to doubt. <coughs> Even saved people begin to doubt and wonder, well, am I one of the elect? I was teaching a series on doubting salvation when I was in Denver, Colorado. And I went down to the Denver Seminary to look and see if there's any books for sale at the university and at the seminary. And so I found one by John MacArthur on the doubt problem. And I bought that thing thinking, well, maybe I didn't much what I'd heard about John MacArthur. I didn't think I liked him, but, oh, well, it might be some good stuff in there on doubt. Maybe I can use. Well, I read the book. The time I got through reading, read, reading his book on doubt, I was doubting my own salvation <laughs> because he approached it from a Calvinistic standpoint that if you're, if you're one of those who are appointed to hell, then there's nothing you can do about it. And if you're appointed to heaven, elected to heaven, then you're going to go. The only problem was that he, in his book, and many of the Calvinists give the same idea that there's really no way you can know that you're one of the elect. 
you may just think you're one of the elect, but really you're going to hell and just think you're going to heaven. So it all takes you away from Jesus Christ and makes it, makes it that God is a mean old ogre who appointed some just to go to hell and you can't change it. And so they doubt and doubt that some are saved and doubt that they're elect. And so they have all kinds of problems. Well, the Bible says that whosoever will can come. Whosoever will. It says that he is not willing that any should perish. So that, that just blows Calvinism way out of the water. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world, not just the elect, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that whosoever believeth in him will have eternal life if you believe. And so this, if this is something that has afflicted you, the Calvinism debate, just understand. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, In the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will. Oh, there's verse after verse after verse that teaches that God would like for everybody to be saved. Now, wouldn't that be a contradiction that a God of love would choose some to go to hell before they were born? But yet there's people that for some reason are attracted to that kind of a doctrine. Well, let's go to one other thing. We call this the sinful hindrance. We're talking about doubting salvation. What causes us to doubt? Well, there could be a sinful hindrance that causes real Christians, born-again Christians, to doubt their salvation. What do I mean? Well, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. and Behold, all things are become new. So the person who is born again hears preaching about Verses like this, that if you, you're really saved, you're a new creature. And you shouldn't be involved in sin. And that's true. You should not be involved in sin. But nowhere did it say that you're going to lose your salvation or that it's an indicator that you never got saved to begin with. And so people, people begin to dabble in sin. And then they have feelings of guilt. And then they have doubts saying, well, you know, if I was saved, why, why was I lusting? If I'm saved, why am I greedy? If, I was, if I'm really saved, why do I not want to pray? If I'm, if I'm really saved, then why do I tell a lie every now and then? And we shouldn't do any of those things. But the truth is nobody's perfect and people will sin. But the more we tamper with sin, the more we accumulate sin around us, the more we get away from God and into sin, the more we're going to have feelings of guilt and doubt. And then we're going to say, man, I must not even be a Christian. Because the Bible says that there is a, a point in 2 Peter 1.9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know a believer can actually forget that God forgave him of all those old sins he's involved with now? 
A believer can get so obsessed and immersed in sinful thoughts and sinful activities. That's why we need to have preaching on sin is so people don't get off into the devil's clutches and then he gets a hold of their heart and they begin to say, well, you know, they say Christians shouldn't be doing this stuff and I'm doing it, so maybe I'm not even saved. And then they're doubting their salvation. Spend time (coughs) confessing your sins. Spend time finding out what the Bible says about sins, what are sins, and why we should stay away from them. And you do yourself a big favor putting some distance between you and your sins that the devil will use to beat you over the head with and make you doubt. Oh, it's an awful thing to feel guilty and, and sinful as a Christian. You feel dirty and you begin to think, maybe I'm not saved. And you can really be saved. Lot got involved in a bunch of stuff. That's why you don't need to start looking off towards the well-watered plain of Jordan pitching your tent in that direction because it won't be long till you'll be moving down there and you won't even remember that you were purged from those sins and you doubt if you've ever gotten saved. Well, dealing with these things ought to give people some help and some hope. If I begin to focus on the scripture that gives me the answers, maybe that'll build up in me some faith. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more of the word of God we hear, that's why people ought to be involved in church services, ought to be involved in Sunday school, ought to be involved in, involved in revival meetings, everywhere they can get some of the word of God, then that will help them to strengthen the inner man that won't go doubting as easily. So it comes through the word of God and then as we focus on Jesus Christ and his person, the Lord Jesus, that strengthens us by looking at him instead of looking at our own sinful selves. And then as we stay away from the heresies that can cause us to doubt, that will strengthen us against doubt. And then there's a, there's a fifth one, the steadfast heart. And, you know, I said we ought to stay away from sin because sin's going to have the ability, the more involved we are in sinful things, sinful thoughts, sinful activities, the more we're involved with that, the more likely we are to doubt. But what goes hand in hand with that is the steadfast heart, and that's growing close to the Lord Jesus, spending time with him, spending time with the Lord in private, just you and the Lord. I mean, find a place where you can just get alone with the Lord on a regular basis. And time when you just, sometimes I think, you know, we think about praying most of the time. But there are times when we just need to get along with the Lord and just sit still and sit quietly and let him speak to us. We don't need to be the one doing all the talking. (laughs) Hello? We need to just meditate on the goodness of God about what a sweet, holy righteous and good God he is and just sit still and let his grace flow into us. Pray, yes, but sometimes just be quiet. Meditate. Think on the Lord and he can strengthen us 
by letting his grace flow through us. That's the steadfast heart. And then this is the last one. Since we're on spring break, we got to the last point. <laughs> I, lost my, I lost my notes somehow on my computer between the office and in here. I couldn't get my notes to come back up on my, uh, on my iPad. I love uh, technology when it's working right, but I hate it when the devil gets in it. And so I'm working off of just a, a little bit of memory and a few sketchy notes instead of my full notes. So you're getting out early. I was going to keep you two hours, but <clears throat> just joking. This is my last one. The ceiling healing. The ceiling healing. When a person has been plagued by doubts and he's just been at turmoil in his heart, there is one last thing. If focusing on the scripture and the promises of God didn't quite get you there, if focusing up on the Lord himself just didn't quite get you there and the doubts are still there, so I just don't know if I really got saved or not. And trying your best to stay away from sin but still got those doubts. Did I really do it right? Did I, did I fully understand what Jesus had done for me on the cross when I came to that altar? Did I really pray the right prayer? You just can't get any of that settled. Then I've got one last, I've got one last buckshot for you. If everything else fails, here's what to do. Go find you a place in private and you just be honest with the Lord. And you just, you, you kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, I have tried everything I know. I did what the preacher said. I tried to find in the Bible what I'm supposed to do. I tried to remember what I prayed. I'm still plagued with doubts. I don't know if I got saved or not. When I was in Bible college, I heard preachers, uh, preachers preach, well, if you don't get up early every morning and pray at 4 o'clock till 7 o'clock in the morning, you're probably not saved. If you don't win at least three or four souls to Christ every week, you're probably not saved. If you don't go visiting for five or six hours every Saturday and every Thursday, you're probably not saved. If you ever let a cuss word slip, you're probably not saved. If you, if you don't have a love for people and willing to sacrifice 24 hours a day, then you're probably not saved. And we hear all this different kinds of preaching. You're probably not saved if you don't do this or that, you know. And so uh, I began to think, I'm in Bible college. I'm preparing to be a, a preacher. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got doubts in my heart. I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff, and I, and I failed in a lot of areas. And you thought I was perfect, I know, but my wife does. <coughs> she, well, at least she laughs at my jokes. But I, here I am in Bible college preparing to be a preacher, and I've got some doubts, and boy, it's bothering me week after week for a while, and I'm thinking, boy, if I graduate from Bible college and I go out to preach to others and tell others, and I go soul winning and try to tell somebody else how to get saved, how can I do that honestly without being a hypocrite if I don't even know I'm saved? And so I came to the point one day after chapel, and most of the college classes were over, and upstairs was vacant, and there were some classrooms up there, and I was just fed up to here with myself. Couldn't figure out if I, I, man, maybe I didn't say the prayer right. Maybe I didn't, maybe I wasn't focused on the cross of Christ at that time I got saved. 
And so I went upstairs and found an empty classroom and a broom closet in the corner and I got in that closet and shut myself in. And I said something like this. I said, Lord, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've heard those preachers say, you can't get saved if you don't admit you're lost. And Lord, I, I don't know if I'm lost or saved. So I can't admit I'm lost if I don't know I'm lost. And I can't say 100% for sure I know I'm saved. So I'm in no man's land. I don't know I'm lost and I don't know I'm saved. So Lord, all I'm going to do right here and now is, is tell you that I don't want to go to hell. And I do know enough now to say that I know Jesus died on the cross for me. And I do know enough to know that he's the only way. And Lord, if, if Jesus doesn't save me because he shed his blood and paid for my sins, I don't know anything else to do. And so Lord, right here and now, I'm saying, I'm saying, Lord, I don't know if I'm lost, but I am saying I believe. And Lord, if I go to hell, it's going to be your fault. So that's pretty bold. Yeah, I was, I guess. But you know what? I hadn't doubted my salvation anymore since then. I got up, I told the Lord, I said, I believe Jesus died for me and I'm asking you to save my soul and take me to heaven when I die. Now, if I go to hell, I don't know anything else to do. I'll just have to go to hell. But I'm getting up off of my knees and I'm going to serve you with the rest of my life and I'm not going to go through life wondering what else to do because this is the only thing I can do. And I left. And I'm telling you today, if, if you believe you're saved but you're not 100% sure, you may come to the place where you just got to say, Lord, I believe, I know exactly that Jesus died for me. And I know exactly that there's no other way to heaven. So I'm asking you to save my soul, Lord. I don't know if I got saved back then or if I've got saved right now, but I know I'm believing on you right now. He that, he that believeth won't be cast away. See, I don't know what I believed back then or what I'm going to believe in the future, but I know I believe right now. And if you've got eternal life for one second, you've got it for eternity. <laughs> so I know but I believe on him now. And friend, you may have to come to that place, if everything else fails, come to that place where you just say, Lord, I believe. And I'm trusting you. I'm depositing my soul in your hands. And I'm going to wash my hands of the whole thing because it's not my job to save me nor to keep me saved. I'm trusting you. Now I'm going to go serve you. <laughs> and that's where you come to. You say, but what if I really kind of think I'm lost? Well, if, if a person hasn't been saved or if they're absolutely not sure, do the same thing. You say, but what if I ask him to save me and I'm already saved, wouldn't that be bad? Well, if you're already saved, do you think asking him the second time is going to send you to hell and cause you to lose your eternal security? <laughs> if you were already saved and you ask him the second time, he's not going to end your salvation at that point. We believe in eternal security, don't we? So you're not, going to, you're not going to lose your salvation by asking him a second time if you're not sure. My advice is make sure. Say, so then what? Let him guide you. 
Let him guide you from there on. I'll tell you this. Normally, in all the Christian circles I've been in, if somebody that's attended church for 100 years, suddenly they've lived their whole life as a Christian, but suddenly they say, well, I, I just got saved. Well, you know what? I don't think anybody's going to mock, criticize, scorn, rebuke. You know what I think? Of all the people I've been around, when somebody that's been in church a long time suddenly gets saved. I know preachers that have stood in the pulpit and preached for years and suddenly realized, hey, I need to be saved. (laughs) And by their own testimony, they got saved after preaching for years. You know what? Nobody made fun of them. Nobody mocked them or criticized them. You know what everybody did? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're glad when somebody gets saved. Heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth. And it doesn't matter whether your sin is drunkenness or adultery or fornication or stealing or lying or doubting. (laughs) You think God's going to send you to a deeper hell because you doubted your salvation and then got it right? He's going to forgive every sin when you get saved. Don't let the devil get the victory over you. Just get it settled. Sweet peace can be yours. Isaiah 26, 3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Just trust the Lord every day. Ask him to save you. If you're not saved, get it done. Get up and go on. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just You just got saved. Nobody else is going to make a big deal. I mean, as far as making you feel guilty or, or like you're a wicked sinner. I mean, uh, who's the most wicked sinner? The, the, the dope addict that just came through the door and knelt here and asked Christ to save him? Uh, nobody, would, nobody would rebuke him, would they? What about the... What about the man who was a homosexual and he came through the door and said, I'm, I'm going to repent and trust Christ and be saved. Would we then rebuke him or would we be glad he got saved? What about the doubter who comes and says, I'm going to be saved. Would anybody rebuke them? No, we would rejoice that they get saved. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you've made your plan of salvation plain in the Bible that it's believing which means to trust you and Lord I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice right now is trusting you as Savior and anyone who is not anyone who's unsure anyone who's struggling may you give them grace and mercy Lord let them know that you love them you care about them and you want them to have peace in their heart about this matter I pray that you'd Help them to understand that right now that you would receive them if, they, if they're unsure or even if they're sure that they're lost. That you would receive them with open arms. You'd love them and make them your child if they'll just come to you. Confessing that they don't deserve salvation but believing that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins. I pray you'd bless us in this invitation time. As we stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed, I just invite you.